Um, what we typically do is we walk through on Sunday mornings the Word of God, and we'll go through a book. Right now we're going through the book of First and Second Thessalonians. Um, it's been so good to do that. This morning on Vision Sunday, we take a little break from that, and I'm going to take us to Second Timothy instead. And I want to look at just a few brief statements that Paul makes in speaking to Timothy, and, um, and I want to use that as a way to kind of just identify uh, what, what's on our hearts as we look ahead to this next year and what we want to see God doing. So 2 Timothy 1, 5 through 7. I'm going to put them on the screen here so that you can uh, follow along that way. And uh, here's what he says starting in verse 5. Uh, T- Timothy is, is the person he's writing to. Timothy is like this young pastor, and Paul's writing to him as he tries to oversee this church. And here's what he says. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. All right, so here's Paul, and he's writing to Timothy, this young pastor, and he's saying, I am so excited about the sincere faith that you have. And what does he say about his sincere faith? He says, I saw it dwell first in your grandmother Lois, and then I saw that faith dwell in your mother uh, Eunice, and now I'm seeing it dwell in you. He's describing this legacy of the faith, which I think is so, so beautiful and so important. The reality is, is that all of us are here because of a legacy like this, right? So there was Jesus, and he proclaimed the gospel, and he proclaimed his kingdom, and then the people that he told that to told other people who told other people, and then on and on for thousands of years until here we are, the the descendants, right? They're recipients of this faith was handed from generation to generation, and and as I've been processing that this week, uh, or like the last few months, uh, as I've been kind of thinking about what's, what's going on with the church, I came across a filing cabinet in the church, okay? So this is, I promise you I'm not making this up, but I found a filing cabinet in the church that had in it CD wallets, okay? Now, if you remember what CD wallets are, then you're of a certain age, okay? But for those of you that are younger, a CD is like the cloud, a little piece of the cloud made like physical, okay? (laughs) And we used to do everything with these, and this was new technology at some point. So um, I found this CD wallet, it had all these pictures and videos of like the old days of Creekside, okay? Not the oldest days of Creekside, but the old days, okay? And I've been looking through, and I'm seeing um, a whole bunch of faces that are familiar that I see around here, um, but like, you know, some of the guys had hair, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and pretty much everyone was a bit thinner, and you know, all these kinds of things. And I'm looking at um, all these things that the church family did, and I've been struck by the legacy of this church. Now, um, I enjoyed thoroughly going through all these things, and um, I couldn't just keep it to myself. And so I want to share just a taste of this with you guys, okay? Um, it's brief, and what I did is I just, it's not comprehensive, this isn't the history of Creekside, but it's just a glimpse in time from the early 2000s of this church family. I, I put some of the pictures and videos together, and I kept the original music. So what you're going to hear is uh, the original stuff with actual Creeksiders singing over you guys during this time. So let's give it a shot.
I did not manipulate any of that, okay? So what I hope you saw in there is um, a worship leader of this church that somehow led worship on the flute. Like, I don't even know how that's physically possible, okay? But that happened. Um, I hope you noticed all the, uh, the puppets and dummies and, and those kinds of things. Um, amazing. And there was a lot of that stuff, trust me, a lot. And also a, a, just a lot of really fancy women's tees, okay? So, man, I look at all that and I think, okay, um, Paul here talking, I'm going to get back to serious here. Paul talking to Timothy about this faith that's been handed down. And I think, you know, why are we here as a family? We're, we're here. Like, I, I'm, I'm very sensitive to this. I'm the, I'm the third lead pastor of this church. Um, I get to inherit something that the people who have gone before me have invested in and built, right? Um, all of us are here. Like, God, God's done a thing over the last couple of years where um, our, our family has shifted and changed, right? And so there's, there's members of our church family that God's moved out of, out of state, uh, moved to other churches. Um, all of us here, some of, you, some of you are founding members, and that's amazing. We're so glad to have you. But over the years, and especially the last couple of years, God's been placing you all as puzzle pieces, and God's making us a family. And I've been thinking about how, like, how did we get here, you know? And what did they do to create this thing? Because the reality is we kind of like have inherited this thing like a garden that's been tended, right? A family that's been cared for. And so who did that tending? Who did that gardening? Who did that care in it? And I'm looking at these pictures and videos, and I'm reminded, you know, I'm sure there was strategy behind all that, right? I'm sure there was a reason why they started a clown ministry at some point, and they literally did. Um, uh, I'm sure there's reasons for all of it, right? But I'm looking through it all, and I'm like, I mean, how did this come down to us? It came from them getting together and doing things like family camp. It came from them doing puppet shows, right? It came from them gathering and setting up chairs in a place. Like, none of it is that powerful in and of itself, right? But what it is, it's a group of people that for decades just kept coming together and saying, these people around me are worth the investment of my time, right? Um, the use of my gifts to bless them, to reach out to the community uh, around them, right? And so it's just this beautiful picture of a group of people that leaned in and invested and cared. And I love the acknowledgement that Paul gives to Timothy of the faith that's been handed down. I mean, I just feel such a blessing from those faithful saints that have come before and nurtured this family so that we can all be a part of it now. It's beautiful. But look at what Paul says next to Timothy. And he says this in verse 6, um, for this reason, basically because of this legacy, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And so here's this whole thing, this reminder now. He's telling Timothy, man, this faith has been handed down. It's a beautiful thing. But because it's been handed down to you, now this is the moment where I want you to take this gift, like this, this laying on of hands where you've been like affirmed and said, hey, use these gifts. Now I'm telling you, it's your time to own it, right? It's your time to take these gifts and fan them into flame. This is the moment where you need to step in into this sequence and this tradition and this legacy and begin to own it, right? And utilize what God's put on your heart and how God's shaped you to bring these things into life. See, it's a great reminder for us because we have all these same things. I mean, now we've got away with the puppets, and I hope that's for good. If, if I could, it's not one of the bylaw changes, but I've got an idea for next year, like a no puppets clause, okay? But, uh, but the idea of um, every time we gather like this, it's super insignificant, right? We sit here, we, we listen to a sermon, we forget it, right? We, we come, we say hi to some folks, and we leave. None of it matters all that much, right? Except that, except that it absolutely matters, 
every little bit of investment that we do in the lives of each other, in our community, matters immensely. And there's this huge weight behind it. Every time we gather for a barbecue and open up our lives and share and invite people in, that matters immensely, right? Every discipleship relationship we've ever had, every time we open the Word of God, every time we pray for each other, it matters immensely. And so the invitation for us is to say, we've been handed down this thing from these goofballs that came before us, right? And they did all these goofy things, and they handed it down to us, and now it's our turn to say, let's fan that gift into flame. I I thought of it this week. I'm looking here. We've got this beautiful uh, ground-down concrete floors, and I'm thinking that to do that, we ripped out this nasty, old, ugly carpet off of everything, okay? But somebody, somebody picked out that carpet and was so excited about, like, oh, man, how cool will this be? This will bless our ministry. This is going to look amazing, right? And then here we come in you know, however many years later, 15 years later, and we're like, gross, get this out of here, right? But the heart is the same of, let's own this, let's shape it, let's make it what we need it to be. And I love Paul looking at Timothy and saying, you've got these gifts. These gifts were given to you from the laying, like we laid our hands on and said, Lord, you're calling this person, use this person, bless them. And Paul's saying, take the embers that are there and just fan it into flame. Let's see something good come out of all this. The reality is, and and this is hard for us to keep our eyes on, the reality is, is that every single one of us is supernaturally empowered by the Spirit of God with these, like, um, supernatural powers, these gifts that God gives that he placed in every single one of us. Theologically, that's just the basic New Testament teaching, is that the Spirit of God is in each of us, this supernatural power, and that's exactly what Paul's talking about with Timothy. That power is in you. That gifting is there. Uh, Paul says in in Romans, he says, it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that lives in each of us. And he's saying, that power is there. So Timothy, take that gifting, that power of the Spirit, and fan it into flame. Use it. Like, let's see it go, and let's see it spread. The problem is, in a lot of our churches, we don't use the gifting that God's given us as much as we ought to. Uh, my, my girls and I have been having a blast watching Stephen Curry um, on his road to dominating the NBA Finals once again. Almost there. We're real close. And um, we're watching him, and he's like, he's like literally the best shooter in the NBA ever. Like the best shooter of all time. His numbers prove it. And so he's there, and he's so talented, right? But I'm thinking, so not only is he like insanely gifted and talented, but he also puts in the work, right? He's like one of the hardest working people too. And so he puts in the work to shape that gift and to utilize it. And I wonder, you know, what would it be like in a world where Steph Curry had that gifting, because he does, but wasn't interested in basketball? You know, imagine if he spent all his time playing ping pong or something like that. It'd just be like, what a waste of a, of a gift. We'd never know the world's greatest shooter. And I look at our church family, and I think, you know, the reality is there's not a single one of us, myself included, that has fully fanned into flame the supernatural gift that the Lord has put in each of us and as our church body. There, there is so much power in this room, and that's not me saying it. That's not me being an optimistic person. That is just, just what the New Testament teaches. There's so much power in this room because the Spirit of God is in each of us. And so that call is to say, what does God want for us this year? It's simply this. Fan into flame the gift that has been given to you. Like, if this could be my um, opportunity to lay hands on all of you and just say, I see that the Spirit of God is there. I see this, this spark, this ember of a thing in each of you. Let's, let's embrace that. Let's own it. And let's just fan it into flame. Let's do big things because the Lord wants to do big things for us, through us, in us, around us, all those kinds of things. See, I think the vision is, um, 
I've read, I've read like a ton and ton of books on church leadership, okay? And, and I know what you're supposed to do. What you're supposed to do is as a leader of a church, you're supposed to have a strong vision, a clear picture of what's ahead. And you're supposed to strategize five years, ten years. Where, do, where are we going? What does it look like programmatically? And how do we strategize in the intervening years to get to that point, okay? And I think that, I think that God gave us a gift during COVID, which was, um, I don't know, chaos and dismantling and everything else because what happened? I, I um, got to take over from, like, Ryan, faithful with his calling, hands it down. I get to step into this role. And, um, okay, Lord, where do we lead the charge, right? How do we strategize this? What programs do we call everybody to? And every time we tried to do something like that, it was a round of COVID. There was a round of, like, whatever, what, everything was just simply impossible, right? And instead of growth, it's shrinking, right? And instead of everything feeling great, we were all super tense and angry, and all of this, what it did was it made it so that we couldn't strategize, okay, here's where we're headed. Everybody join us toward, towards this charge. What it did is it made us fall on our knees again and again, sensing our own weakness and just saying, Lord, what do you have for us? Lord, would you please work? A even asking the question, Lord, the things that we typically in church want to accomplish, is that what you even want? Is that what you're inviting us into? And so we've fallen on our knees and we've been asking God again and again for the last couple of years, Lord, what do you want? Where are you leading? Lord, what do you want? And, and we've seen that what's happened in that is it hasn't been um, the elders, the pastoral staff, the ministry staff, anyone leading us to those spots. It's been us sitting back and saying, Lord, what do you want to do? And then God, we find God again and again. He opens a side door and he leads us into a spot that's totally different than anything we would have planned for this church. But it's always been this area of greater health and greater blessing and kind of these realizations of, oh man, I didn't realize ministry could feel so restful and so enjoyable and so like family-centric as it has the last couple of years. And so much of my prayer is not to sit here on Vision Sunday and tell you, guys, this is the program we're building. We need you to sign up on the lobby on the way out. No, it's to say exactly what Paul said to Timothy. You guys, there are supernatural gifts of the Spirit in every single one of you. And what I know for a fact God wants for this church is for those gifts to be fanned into flame. And for us to just get set on fire in the best possible way to just bring that love and that grace and that power of God into our church family and into the people around us. I really believe that's where God's leading. And as we look, it's not going to be, it's not going to be, hey, Mark, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Nope, I can't do it. I, it's, a, it's a bottleneck. It doesn't work like that. It's saying, okay, you've got those gifts. So close your eyes. And before the Lord, just lifting yourself up and just saying, God, here I am. Like, how have you gifted me? Help me discover who I really am, the way that you see me, and saying, okay, then, Lord, who around me can I bless, right? So it takes the introduction to somebody else that's sitting around you, right? It takes, like, you can't bless somebody that you don't, that you don't really know. So it takes building a relationship, investing in somebody. It takes showing up to a thing. Just like all these, these, all these goofballs that came before us and did all these weird things in the church that handed it down to us, right? They showed up, and they did what was, uh, what was at hand to do, right? They did what the Lord put on their hearts, and it was beautiful. It's funny, but it's beautiful. And anyway, all, the whole thing, the whole point is this call to say, man, God has given us all this. Let's utilize it for his glory. Now, here's how he ends. And this is the last verse we'll look at this morning. Continuing on, for this reason, I remind you to fan the flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands, why? Because God has given us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. See, the push is, why? Why do we fan this in the flame? Because God has not given us a spirit of fear. Now, he's trying to push us past fear because fear is so powerful. 
and I can speak from my own experience, but I know you all know what I'm talking about. Fear can hinder us from so many things, right? We have this culture, I think, in the church, and maybe as Americans, I don't know, we have this culture of inadequacy. Or we have this culture of, like, outsourcing, right? And it's like, yeah, the church will do that. I'll sit here and I'll listen to a sermon. I'll learn. I'll grow. I'll go away. I'll do my thing. And I'll come back next time. But I think Paul, looking at Timothy, is exactly what's on my heart to say to all of you is fan your gifts into flame because you don't have a spirit of fear. There's nothing to be afraid of with this. We have this weird hedging thing that we do. We get afraid. We're, like, worried that we're going to fail in something. And so we hedge, and, and we feel like better to not try than to try and to fail. And I think Paul is saying the exact opposite here. Fan that gift into flame because God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Think of how many kingdom movements, how much, how much like, of God's grace and love going out into the world has been stalled because we've been too afraid to try. We're afraid that we'll, fall, that we'll try and we'll fail. We're afraid that we're going to say the wrong thing. And man, the, the, the invitation is for us to simply dive in. Not even dive in, like cannonball in to the whole thing with a huge smile on our face and just say, Lord, what do you want for us? We don't need to protect ourselves from failure. We dive in because we have a spirit, not of fear, but what? But of power and of love and of self-control. This is the spirit that God has given us. Fan your gift into flame because you have a spirit of power. There's so much that God wants to do in this world through us, and, and it is not about Creekside as a, as a church structure being amazing. It is not about us having gifted ministers or leaders or anything like that. The power is in every single one of us. And so when you're like here and you're having coffee, you're talking to somebody, there's power in you to flow to those people that you're interacting with. It might seem insignificant, but it's powerful. When you're talking to your neighbors or your coworkers, there's a power that you yourself have. And that power, man, comes together and is intensified when we as a body say we're going to work together in love and unity and just open ourselves up to everything that God will do. All my, all my inadequacies are, are lame, right? That, that's, that's the lie that I tell myself. That's the lie the world tells me is that I'm inadequate. The truth that God speaks to me over and over again in Scripture is don't be afraid. I have empowered you. I've given you this mission. I've given you the, uh, every gift, every skill, everything you need to thrive. And so it is, and I just want to remind us, it's not about our power. It's not about how clever we are. It's not about how our, our natural gifting looks. It's about the power of God, and that's what we pursue. Second thing that he mentions, a, a spirit of power, also a spirit of love, okay? A spirit of love. And Jesus said at the very beginning, um, you will know, by this all people will know that you're my followers, that you're my disciples, if you love one another, okay? And so when he looks around, when he sees like uh, his followers and he says, this is the big thing I'm going to do in this world. I'm going to release a bunch of people with a bunch of power and what's going to be the distinguishing mark? It's love. You're going to tell, that they're, they're, everyone's going to be able to tell that you're my followers by the way that you love one another. And I have to say, I think we've largely uh, left that one on the table. I think we've, we've been known by other things. We've been known for uh, our doctrine. We've been known for our, um, our fussiness in some areas. We've been known by our politics sometimes. We need to embrace this idea of being known by our love for each other. Just a community that cares for each other so well. A community that people would actually want to be a part of because of the way we love and we're there for each other in moments of pain. As I was processing this this week, um, the idea of being a community that's shaped by a spirit of love, um, we had some really terrible things happen in our world. So once again, um, we had this, this Buffalo shooting, right? So once again, our black brothers and sisters targeted. This time the, the, the guy has this manifesto and everything else. There's, there's been, um, you know, Asian American brothers and sisters attacked this week. There's just all this stuff that continues to happen, and I think 
you know, what would it look like for us to be a community of love to, to our, our BIPOC brothers and sisters, those that, that, are, um, that, that are people of color that we love deeply, and just to say, look, I know you're hurting. I'm so sorry. Racism is evil, right? It's, it's, it's like the opposite of what God intended. But you, you belong to this family. Like, I'm connected to you. I'm part of your family, and I'm here for you. And I'm here, like, we can be here as a, as a community to always show people that no matter what, no matter what some crazy person out in the world thinks, no matter what you're hearing out and about, here you know you always have value. Here you know we affirm that you're made in the image of God, that, that you're not, that you're not um, attacked, you're safe here. We, we love you, we have your back, and we're not perfect, but we care for each other. That's so much of my heart. And man, that, that just goes um, to every person, right? Every profession, everything, for us to be a community that we have each other's backs, we love and we care for each other, um, and we become this like beautiful place, this beautiful community that's like a respite from the rest of the world as it goes crazy. Um, finally, Paul says, uh, a spirit of power and love and of self-control. The spirit of self-control, and man, I think that too has often been lacking in our churches. I think often our church leaders, I mean, that we're, like churches are in the news like never before because we have these church leaders that we've chosen not for their character or their self-control, but because they're popular and they're winsome. And so we have the like hot, attractive pastors um, they invited me into that group, but I declined. Um, uh, you've got, like, the shouting pastors that are getting on everything, and they're, you know, like, you get these, like, shareable, quotable types of things, and Paul's telling Timothy, look, uh, not fear. Don't give in to fear. You have power, you have love, and you have self-control through the Spirit of God. And, man, what if we could just control ourselves, not get caught up in all these things, not try to dominate, not try to assert our personalities, not try to develop our own power, but instead just that self-control to... to to curb our, our worst ambitions and instead say we're going to live for the sake of each other and, and look at each other in love. Man, wouldn't that be a beautiful thing? And so I'm going to exercise self-control and not preach as long as I want to, okay? Um, I'm going to tie this off here and we're going to jump into some other stuff. But I, what, I'm, what am I seeing for what's ahead? And, and, I, and I can think, you know, just imagine with me for a second. What if this year, what if for the next 12 months um, we were dominated by a spirit of fear, Okay? What, what if we let that happen? So think of the people that you're kind of afraid of in your life. Think of the failure that is like looming, that you're worried that that's going to dominate you. Think of uh, situations or scenarios that might go wrong. Like what if we let all those voices ring the loudest? What if our inadequacy took the, the center stage, our sense of that, and we just gave in to fear this year? Think of how little we would accomplish. Think how weak and, and insignificant we would be as a group of people. But then flip that around and think, what if this year, for the next 12 months, we could really lean into what Paul's saying? We could fan into flame these gifts that God's given us. And what if we were um, controlled, powered by the spirit of power and love and self-control? And what if we could just let go of those voices that speak to us and say, you can't do it. You're too busy. You're not talented enough. People don't respect you enough. Nobody really wants you to do that. What if we could let that go? Who might we go to, Right? What, what situation that we've been avoiding might we actually embrace and say, you know what, I'm going to try. Maybe it is even as simple as just starting in prayer. Like, man, there's this person in my life that's been so hard, but I'm committing this year not to let fear dominate, but to go in a spirit of power and love and self-control and just pray for that person regularly, invest myself. Who here might we introduce ourselves to and just say, hey, you know what, um, I'd like to get to know you, right? It's, it's scary to think sometimes about that, right? But it's such a beautiful thing as these connections get made, as we get drawn together as a family 
And the same thing out in our community, man, just the, the people that live around us, the people that work by us, the people who, you know, we sit on basketball bleachers next to or, or, or soccer fields next to and just say, you know, how can I invest myself and, and trust that there is a power in me, not of my own, um, but that comes from God. See, when I think of our church family, I think we're a sparky bunch, okay? And what I mean by that is I think I've seen, like, man, everything the church is known for negatively, um, sure, we've got, like, hints and roots of that in our family, too, for sure, okay? Every, every, every evil thing, like, is just a human problem, and, and we characterize that as well in some ways. But everything that, man, I see these sparks floating up in our church, and especially in the last couple of years, where it's like, man, why can't the church just be a group of people that loves and cares for each other well? And I'm telling you, I see sparks of that in all of you. I really do. I've seen, I've seen glimpses of, oh, this is what it would be like for us to be a community that rallies around each other well, right? Um, what would it be like for the church to be a place of healing and not just a place that uses people for some like power and significant and church growth? Like what, what, what if we really were um, a group of people that could bring healing and health and rest instead of this, this culture of accomplishment? And again, I'm seeing sparks of that flying up all around as we're just saying, yes, we can lean into that. Yes, I can invest myself in healthy ways. All these things, I see sparks of it. And I, all I want to say to you on Vision Sunday all I want to say is, man, my prayer this year is that all of these sparks would just catch fire. And that, man, this would be the year that we lean in and just say, okay, Lord, um, yes, you are doing things, big things. Um, but there's so much more that you want for us. So, Lord, would you take these gifts that you've planted in me that right now are just kind of these little glowing embers that I'm a little unsure of. And, Lord, would you just blow your breath and your power on these embers, and would you light us on fire in the best possible way so that we can light on fire our entire world in the best possible way. And I realize I'm saying this at the beginning of summer, and that's literally going to happen here. But in a good way, light the world on fire, okay? And, um, and just see what God does through that. And, and I'm excited because it's, it's not like a hands-off thing. It's not like a, well, I'll just say it, and we'll see what the people do with it. But it is like the kind of thing where I'm sitting here saying, this is what I'm praying for. And I'm telling you for the next 12 months, I'm praying for it. The elders, the staff are praying for it. Like we're in a season where the elder meetings are going long, and that's not anything new. Going long because we're praying too long. And it's amazing. I, the ways that we've seen God answer prayers. And so we're praying for this. And man, I'm sitting here with a, a can of gasoline just ready to pour fuel on all of these little embers. And I'm excited to see what God's going to do with it. So would you just uh, join me in praying that God would do something like this amongst us. Lord, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that you care for us. Thank you that you lead us. Thank you that we can be your people. And I, I just, Lord, I thank you so much for the people that have been here as part of this church family, the people that, uh, like Pastor Dwayne, that answered your call to plant a church. Um, thank you for people like the Hennings that um, set up ch chairs week in and week out so that we could have a mobile church. Thank you for the people that um, have been here for years and decades um, just investing in this family in, in caring for the people around them, inviting other people into it. Lord, what a gift to inherit such a legacy. And I pray for us right now, for myself and for my brothers and sisters here. Lord, may we believe what you say, that you have given us your power uh, latent within us, Lord, that you're, that you're ready to just pour out uh, that power of love to the world around us, to the people that are around us. Lord, would you connect us supernaturally? Would you prompt us and nudge us in ways where we can't get a, a person or a ministry or an act of service off our minds because you're persistently nudging us? Lord, would you do that in our church family? And I pray, Lord, that a year from now, 
as we get ready to do Vision Sunday all over again, that we'd be here to just acknowledge and embrace the fact that you've been working, that you've been moving, that you've been healing. Lord, may we see your kingdom in this church in ways that we never could have imagined. Um, May we see that come as we just lean in dependence on you. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.